electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer uh, from various locations. David Faber has the morning off. Delta's Ed Bastian is going to join us in a few moments on the heels of their Q1 results. In the meantime, stocks are looking for a bounce on uh, the first bounce of the week as the Senate sends a package to the House. Decent earnings from Netflix, Snapchat, Chipotle, Texan, and others are overshadowing, Jim, this 21-year low in Brent crude oil. But as uh, Joe and Kudlow were just saying, a bit of a bounce here uh, in the early session. Well, uh, the president just tweets, I've instructed the U.S. Navy to shoot down and destroy any and all Iranian gunboats if they harass our ships at sea. Well, I think you'd... Obviously, that's a policy, but uh, that also is going to make it so that anyone who's short oil, and there's so many people who are short oil, might say, you know what, it's just worth covering here. I've had a big win. Um, these, it's geopolitical. It's also the fact that there's a failed instrument out there called the USO. And I say it's failed because it's not been able to handle all the selling. Uh, yeah, uh, executing a one for eight, re- one for eight reverse. Oh, are uh, they really? The second day in a row. We've talked more about <laughs> we talked about the USO more this week, and I think we ever have. Well, um, overall, Jim, you know, Carl, there's things that should never have been created, and they were blasted during a particular period where the SEC was very laissez-faire. Obviously, this thing is just a trap. A lot like the VIX products that were trapped in uh, February of 2018. People just lose money, but there's no constituency that says. Uh, Hey, you know what? You're not all this money. It's caveat emptor. Yeah. What do you make, Jim, of this uh, general notion this morning that the, the president's tweet aside, uh, some of the results last night were better than feared. You got a list of companies now that have been able to either sell a stake privately or through secondaries. And we'll get to that in a moment. Plus the Senate package making some progress. Does that add up to anything substantial today? Absolutely. I mean, I look yesterday, one of the things that happened that was key was that Darden, which is Olive Garden, was able to price a big slug of stock. And the stock was, you know, they, they did 7.8 million shares at 58.50. You kill, you, you just did really well if you bought that. Uh, United Airlines suing at 39.25 million at, at 26.50. Immediately you're up on that. Uh, the, the, the markets are functioning. Netflix was incredible. Texas Instruments was really good. Chipotle was amazing. Lockheed Martin showed you things are fine. So what you start thinking is like, okay, yes, they're parts of the economy that are just really in disarray. And then there are parts of the economy that are doing quite well. The government seems to be aiding the companies that are in disarray. Uh, Oil is a separate segment because it happens so quickly, but they'll get to it. And I I guess what I'm saying, there's reasons to be hopeful, given the fact that the Dow went from 29,000 to 18,000, back up to 24,000. Some shouldn't have bounced. Many should have. Yeah. Um, And then there's this other dynamic, Jim, that people are talking about, which is that high yield, um, which, given the way the capital structure works, suggests that stocks should follow and maybe have additional upside from here, although then others would counter that the Fed sort of clouds that relationship between uh, junk and equities. Well, I mean, I think that if you want to do that, you have to watch the the banks that are at the epicenter. I watch Wells Fargo. They have too many, uh, way too many loans to uh, the oil patch. 
Uh, stock kind of hangs in here. I mean, I always like to find a stock that that really kind of typifies the moment. And Wells is a, a bank with a good yield. It's the Buffett Bank, has a lot of bad loans, got new management. It hangs in there. I mean, if that stock started really in free fall, I'd be much more worried than I am. All right. Uh, Mnuchin, of course, yesterday talked about uh, the package that is working its way across the hill. Uh, $484 million that's going to the House, 320 for PPP, 25 for testing, 75 for hospitals. Here's what the Treasury Secretary said yesterday. I think phase four will most likely be what, what we need. Uh, I think based upon what we're seeing and the reopening of the economy and the amount of money we're putting in and working with the Federal Reserve on 13-3, I, I think you're going to see a lot of liquidity, and we look forward to business rebounding, especially later this summer. Now that's getting interesting, Jim, uh, because now we're talking about actual economic Stimulus rather than rescue, right? Broadband uh, uh, infrastructure right. spending. Uh, Pelosi on the tape talking about money for elections, talking about money for mail service, things like that. I look, I liked everything that I heard because what it says is we're not just tidying you over. We actually be able to play a little offense here. And that's important because I think there's a lot of people getting very restive in the country. Uh, I think we probably overplay that. There are different governors who are responding to constituencies that say, listen, we want to go to work uh, versus health concerns saying, you know what, we're not there yet. But every day we get somebody new doing something in healthcare. We've now got a better handle on the Abbott Labs test. Apparently, if they're done correctly next to the patient, they do work. Uh, last night, I had Puritan swabs on. They're the guys who actually make the swabs for the nose. They're starting to produce the swabs, the, the number of swabs that you want. Excellent interview with a fellow who ran LabCorp this morning. We're getting this kind of Overall, you're going to be able to get tested. Soon you're going to get antibodies. We are have to anticipate that we're going to get that news. And we're going to get this vanguard of people, Carl, who have the antibodies, who are able to go out and do things. And that's what we really need. We need those people. I'm not calling them immune and they're not super people. And I know come winter it can come back again. <laughs> but they are the people we need to lead us out of this. Uh, that is very true, Jim, and that's not even mentioning uh, the human trials of a vaccine candidate in the U.K. and now Germany uh, today mm -hmm. announcing uh, some trials of their own. So we'll watch all of that. Jim mentions the airlines, and we do want to get to our Phil LeBeau this morning with a very special guest. Morning, Phil. Good morning, Carl. Let's bring in Ed Bastian, CEO of Delta Airlines, joining us from the company's headquarters in Atlanta. Ed, you reported Q1 uh, results today. A smaller-than-expected loss of 51 cents a share. No offense to the hard work you did in the first quarter, but everybody realizes it's all about Q2 and then the remainder of this year. How bad is business right now? Well, thanks for joining us today, Phil, and thanks for having us on. Before I answer your question, I do want to share on behalf of the 90,000 men and women of Delta Airlines that we are doing everything we can to stand with the people of the world to fight this awful pandemic. Uh, we're heartbroken. We've lost some of our own family members amongst the Delta family to the virus, and we want to make sure that everyone knows we're doing everything we can to find a solution to this awful crisis. Uh, the challenge in the business right now is demand. Uh, we, with all the stay-at-home orders and, and the challenges with respect to travel, it's well-documented. We're operating right now at less than 5 percent of a normal uh, passenger load. I think today we're operating with about 30,000 passengers on our books. And uh, the important thing, though, to note is that those are essential passengers. Those are people that are out 
in the business making a difference, whether it's healthcare workers, whether it's people visiting families, whether it's emergencies, whether it's transporting PPE and, and healthcare items from China to, to the front lines of our medical personnel. The Delta people are heroes. They're out there working hard to keep the nation's airways open, and we're going to do everything we can to, to work through this crisis together. Ed, you were talking about those being essential workers. Look, you're right there in Atlanta. Georgia is in the midst of saying we're going to open up the economy again. Do you believe you're going to have many people there in the metropolitan Georgia area, in metropolitan Atlanta area, who are going to say, yeah, I think it's time for us to get back on flights? Or do you expect that it's going to remain essentially essential travelers only? Well, for the short term, I think it'll be essential travelers only. And you know, we've been open throughout this entire period. But I do believe with proper conservative caution, with taking safeguards, with working with small businesses to ensure that they're doing everything they can to social distance and, and start to build the economy and bring the economy back, you know, we're taking good steps together. We've been working through this. We're, we're providing all the support we can to our local community to help them get back on their feet. Do you think that's the right decision that they're making in Georgia, that the governor says let's start opening up uh, this economy and also you're seeing with Florida, South Carolina? Well, right now in Atlanta, we're still under stay-at-home orders. So uh, I think the governor has been talking about how to start to rebuild the economy, starting very slow, starting in a phase one effort. And I think this is going to be choppy. And the, the recovery is going to take uh, a, much longer than any of us would like to see. But we need to start building back in a safe way the, uh, the operations of our economy. Uh, Ed, Jim Cramer, always glad that you and the, your compadres come off from your uh, business. It seems like you're very open-minded culture and really salute you for doing that. Thank you, Jim. First question. Uh, I see you're offering free flights to medical professionals fighting COVID-19 in the hardest-hit areas of the United States. Do we have any evidence that those people have a higher-than-expected rate of COVID illness because they travel on your planes? There's no evidence of that going on in our planes. You know, one of the things that we said when we started just 30 days ago, you know, dealing with this crisis, is that the first priority was to protect our people, protect our customers in the, in the greatest way possible. While we've done everything we can to conserve cash in the environment, and we'll talk about that with respect to liquidity, we've doubled down, in fact, tripled down on sanitation and hygiene and, and cleanliness and making certain that every aircraft that we're on are being fogged every single day. The, the facilities, the social distancing practices on our planes, making certain people are at least uh, six feet away throughout the, uh, throughout the cabin, giving them the opportunity, changing the boarding practices. We now board from the back first to make certain that people aren't walking past customers sitting, sitting in first class. So there's no evidence at all that we are, we are transmitting by staying open the, uh, the virus. Well, let's say you offered that Abbott five-minute, 15-minute uh, box right before you get on. Uh, do you think it would change things? And the reason I say that is because after I just heard you say what you said, I want to go. Uh, you have a great flight to San Francisco that I can take. I really want to go to San Francisco. And I'm trying to figure out why I'm not going given what you just said. Well, we are enlisting the very best medical experts. You know, one of the challenges with this, with this uh, virus that we're all fighting is that it's turning 
a bunch of CEOs into healthcare CEOs overnight. I'm not a healthcare CEO. I'm an airline CEO. Nice. But we are enlisting the very best medical advisors and expert advisors to make certain that we have insight into everything from the diagnostics and the testing protocols and what works and how can we start to translate that into our business model all the way through the vaccines. You know, what, what's happening on the vaccine world and you know, does that turn into a, a position where we have immunity passports that our customers are going to be uh, required to, to enlist. So I don't know the answer specifically to testing, Jim, but I can tell you that we've got people working on it with the right medical experts to try to advance that, that process. And you know, there's, there's no question that until customers feel safe traveling, this, this, this business in terms of air travel is not going to return at scale. What did Warren Buffett say to you uh, when he bolted from your stock? Because I know he was very excited about your stock at a much higher price. And I don't hear anything that makes me feel like that you did something wrong. We didn't do anything wrong, and I, I think if you asked Mr. Buffett, he would he would share the same. Uh, he sold below the uh, the ten percent threshold, so I'm not uh, I'm not at liberty to disclose you know any conversations that we've had. But you know he's uh, he's been a he's been a great investor uh, getting back into the business, and we'll see what happens. Hey Ed, it's Carl. It's good to talk to you this morning. Um, I wonder, given this morning, the CDC director is warning that. Uh, you know, we could see a second spike in, in concert with the regular flu season later on this winter. But whenever a potential reemergence in cases comes, how much money do you have to set aside again for uh, another interruption in demand like the one we're seeing right now? Well, thanks, Carl. Good to uh, talk to you as well. We are uh, actively preserving cash and liquidity. You know, one of the things that when we entered this uh, dilemma. Uh, we said, you know, so three simple priorities. First, make sure we're taking the very best care of our customers and our people. Second, we're protecting our other precious resource, which is our cash. And third, that we're taking the, the advantage of the time here to build the business we want for the future, to accelerate into the future, not to try to, to look to rebuild what, what we had in the past. And it's going to create some really interesting opportunities for us. On the question of cash, our team and the finance team, Paul Jacobson, our CFO, has done a great job raising liquidity. We have $5.5 billion that he's raised just since March uh, in the uh, private markets. Uh, we received in, on Monday the first installment from the Treasury Department on the PSP payment, $2.7 billion. And we expect to end at the, uh, the end of June with $10 billion, at least $10 billion, hopefully more, of cash in the, uh, in the bank with opportunities to raise more as we go forward. But the other part of the liquidity raise is not just financing, is what we're doing on the cost structure, which I think is going to really separate Delta, continue to separate Delta and differentiate us in the marketplace. Uh, in this current quarter, the second quarter that we're in, we've been able to find ways to reduce 50% of our total operating expenses within the current quarter from a standing still position just 30 days ago. Over $5 billion of cash we're saving just in the current quarter alone. So team's doing a magnificent job of protecting cash and liquidity because we know that this, this could take several years before we're into our new normal of, of, of traveling. The other thing about this that, that I do know to be true while there's a lot that we don't know, we have a lot more questions than answers, I do know that we're not only an essential service, we're a service that people want to, to travel on once they feel safe to, to experience our product once again. Hey, when Ed, we talk about low factors, uh, oh, go ahead, Carl. Go ahead. I was going to ask Phil, on load factors, I think for the quarter it was 73.1, and I wonder, is there a new, what's the new break-even load factor for, for a major these days? 
Well, that's a, that's a question I don't think airline CEOs want to try to figure out because it just, just, uh, just causes uh, consternation. The reality is, is that we're in a cash uh, preservation mode, you know, for probably for the balance of this year. Uh, realistically, we need to get our load factors back up into that 80 percent uh, over time, and we'll walk it through. We've got a lot of our capacity on the ground. We've got over 600 planes grounded at the present time. We're only flying about 10 percent. 10 to 15 percent of our schedule at the present time. But as, as, as we were talking with Jim, once customers feel safe to travel, and it's not just physically safe, it's also financially safe, because we also have to consider the, the, what the impact in the markets have had and the economy has had on, on discretionary spend as well. But once that happens, and it may take two to three years to build it back, people will come back. Ed, you were burning about $100 million in cash a day at the end of March. You're hoping to get down to just $50 million of cash burn a day by the end of June. But you expect to be burning cash by the end, of the, even at the end of the year, correct? Is it likely that we see you doing a daily cash burn, let's say, through the first quarter, maybe into the second quarter of next year? It's really hard to predict, Phil. It's based on, on the demand and the duration of, of the challenges we're, we're experiencing on the revenue front. Uh, the, the $100 million a day that we saw in March was true, and, you know, and I do expect that by the month of June, in fact, maybe even the month of May, we'll have that down to about $50 million a day. So the team's done a very nice job. But we're looking through the, the uh, second half of the year, looking at what we're going to need to do to continue to preserve cash, to keep that 50% of overall savings that we had in the second quarter, keep that same momentum moving uh, through the business while we work to encourage customer confidence back in our product, in our, in our business. Uh, Ed, I've been wondering, I've a lot of these companies on Mad Money that are designed to have uh, success for office at home. Uh, and there's just hundreds of thousands of people that I used to see on the planes, the extremely full planes. There's always these guys in suits, and they're making a fortune going to different places, flying first class. Do you think something's going to permanently change that the Zooms of the world and the WebExes of the world will make it so that the, some of your best customers aren't going to be able to be flying after this? I think there will be some behavioral patterns that will change, no question about it. I think it will take some time to understand what that means. I don't think that we're turning into a telecommuting uh, workforce. I do think we'll have a portion of, of, uh, of travel that will, will move over to telecommuting. But the reality is the human spirit wants to engage with fellow humans. You know, business travel is, is going to come back. People need to be face-to-face doing business together when it's safe, when that opportunity arises. People are going to want to get out of their homes and go on those, those experiences, whether it's for leisure or go to visit, visit relatives and you know, people they haven't seen in, in some time. But we have to make it safe. We have to make it physically safe. You know, the, the other thing about this that, that is, is really important to remember is that we specialize in safety. You know, in our business, flight safety is everything. Uh, we are the safest form of transportation in the world in the U.S. aviation system, bar none. We need to take that same rigor and that same analytical approach and that same focus to personal safety and hygiene as, as you travel aboard our aircraft and you, you work through our facilities, as we have for flight safety for years. We're confident we'll get there and we'll get the business back. Okay, so I, when I go to Delta, what I want, I don't want these. These are the paper ones. I want an N95 made by 3M, okay? You can give me gloves. Mm-hmm. I would love to be able to be sure that the person next to me is wearing the mask so they don't give it to me, which is the real reason why we uh, want masks. Uh, I would love to be able to know that I, the person next to me has the antibodies, whatever. You know, and I would pay triple 
what I used to pay for San Francisco to be able to know that when I got there it is fine. But what I can't figure out is how did you guys get to be known as an incubator like you're a Carnival Cruise? If you're not an incubator and you can demonstrate that with mass, that person next to me won't give it. Why aren't people flying? I mean, you've got some pretty good bargains right now. Well, I think there's you know, there's a lot in that what you said, and and certainly we we do have masks, we do have gloves. All of our all of our staff, our frontline staff, are encouraged to wear them. We do have masks for customers that they don't bring them. The majority of customers that are flying are carrying their own mask as as they uh, as they should, and they should wear masks when they when they travel at least until the virus is contained. But what we're we're into, Jim, is is a new normal going forward, and it's going to be very interesting. The the reality is is that you will find customers will come back to quality, and there will be a premium for quality and reliability and the reputation of service excellence, all of which our brand represents. Delta is known for quality. It's, it's, that's our hallmark. That's our calling card. There will be the opportunity to lead with our service excellence and our people working with the medical experts. How do we translate that back into the business model, whether it's testing, whether it's the, the, the safeguards on board the planes, what, whatever it's going to take. We're going to do whatever, whatever we need to do to re-inspire confidence in business travel as well as leisure travel going forward. Ed, as if you don't have enough to deal with uh, with everything happening here in the U.S. and with your own airline, I'm curious what you think about what's happening with Virgin Atlantic. You guys own 49% of Virgin Atlantic, and Richard Branson was out with a very sobering message yesterday saying, look, we need help. And the British government at the same time has said, well, listen, you step up if you want some help. If the British government says to Virgin Atlantic, look, Delta owns 49% of you, they got to pony up some money before we step in, what would you say? Well, on the Delta front, we are not in a position to invest any more money into Virgin. We're already at the ownership cap of 49 percent. And, and candidly, with our, with our crisis, with the, uh, the cash that we need to, to protect our own business, that's, that's what our, our focus is. Uh, I trust uh, Virgin will work through its challenges with the government and with, with, uh, with Richard. Uh, you know, if they are required to go through an administration process in, in the U.K., I'm confident they could reemerge. Uh, there's, you know, there's, there's a need for the Virgin brand in the UK marketplace, and I'm confident once you know, we get through and we understand where this, this virus is going to get to a point where people feel safe to travel again, you know, the Virgin brand will, will be strong once more. But it's, it, it could take a legal process to get through that. Ed Bastiat, the CEO of Delta Airlines, joining us from the company's headquarters in Atlanta. Ed, we're usually down there every quarter, perhaps next quarter. Things will allow us to be with you in person. We appreciate you joining us this morning. I miss seeing you, Phil. (laughs) We'll talk to you next time. Carl, Jim, back to you. All right, Phil. Hey, thanks for bringing that to us, our own Phil LeBeau. We'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk about this morning's bounce. Of course, lots of results to get to. Kimberly Clark, AT&T, Netflix and Snap, and some calls on J&J, Tesla, Visa, and more. Don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Let's get a mad dash uh, with Jim watching Netflix today. 
All right, Carl, there is very rarely that I am on a conference call. And as soon as it's done, I pick up my phone and I FaceTime my daughter and I say, hey, what do you think about extraction? What are you hearing about cable girls from Spain? What do you got about afterlife? And what are you thinking about unorthodox? I, this was one of the greatest conference calls ever. And I'm talking about the Netflix conference call plus the uh, interviews that they do. These guys just have it. And they may be saying, hey, listen, we don't know how much is pantry stocking, so to speak. People are desperate to be at home. This is like Amazon. Once you've tried Netflix and the, all these new people are trying Netflix, you are so hooked. It's ridiculous. And it's because of the quality of the content and the quality of the people running it. We don't talk about them enough. We always talk about Reed. Why don't we talk about the Gregory Peters? He's so unbelievable. Uh, Ted Sarandos. Oh, he's, a, he's got great personality on the call. Um, Spencer Newman is fantastic. This is a clinic of how to run a business so that your customer loves you. I think this stock, if it comes down, you got to buy it. And Extraction, Carl, what are you hearing? <laughs> I'm still working my way uh, through some other titles, Jim. But to your point's a good one uh, regarding the incredible subgrowth in the quarter and the degree to which there is some pantry loading of subs yes. in the near term. This is what Hastings said. This is what Hastings said last night about potential pull forwards. Take a listen. The things we are certain of is the internet is growing. Um, it's a bigger part of people's lives, um, thankfully. And the people want entertainment. They want to be able to escape and connect, whether times are difficult or joyous. Um, that's pulling up. You know, we had uh, an increase in subscriber growth in March. That's, um, you know, essentially a, a pull forward of the rest of the year. So our guess is that subs will be light in Q3 and Q4 relative to prior years because of that. All right. Uh, I'm going to be uh, Jim. I'm uh, shameless here, Carl. Uh, this fellow, Michael Morris from Guggenheim, he did the interview. Listen, Reed, I want to do the interview next. I mean, I just thought this was just you're, you're with some of the smartest people on Earth. You get to talk to them. Carl, these people. I mean, how about the fact that they have everything already made for 2020? Stop fretting about that. So many people yeah. worried about that. How about the fact, Carl, they've got these things in Korea that I want to see. Do you know that Fauda wasn't even mentioned? They have that much content. Carl, these guys, it, it, this is like you know, when, you know, five who came back, when the great artists went over to Europe for World War II and filmed. I cannot believe how good this company is. Who are these people, Carl? Who is Ted Sarandos? Who is he? <laughs> uh, all right. So um, when you have production happening in really only two countries, you think the stockpile of content is enough not to worry for now? Yes, plus they immediately went into the all Zoom action. They've got all these, uh, don't forget, they can do a lot of cartoon drawings, cartoons. They've got a lot of stuff in post-production they can do. There will be no gap. All that will happen is that more and more people will talk about their shows. And I, I don't know a lot of people talking about network shows, but here I am just jotting down everything. I said, wow, if I one more person tells me I have to watch this unorthodox, I know what I'm going to do this weekend, which is typically, by the way, Nothing. But now I've got something because I was on the Netflix conference call. This is a guide for people yeah. who do nothing like me. Other than work. You got to be on this call. How do, you, how, do you, how do you explain to viewers who say, OK, uh, sub ads were nearly 2x the guide. But revenue is in line. Why, why can, how can the, both of those things be true? Well, the, the strong dollar really did hurt them. 
uh, to the point, I was actually shocked here. This was the company that was most hurt by the strong dollar. They broke it out. Uh, but also, I think that they are in a constant Amazon-like mode. I mean, Amazon have these periods where they're just spending a lot and doing a lot of things, and then they have the explosion up. And that's where Netflix is. And I think that people want to play Roku for cord cut, but you should play Netflix because Netflix has figured out your zeitgeist. It was always artificial intelligence. I remember when I sat down with Reed Hastings, and it was just such a great pleasure. And he said to me point blank why I like certain things. He actually looked me up. He knew what I liked. This guy, he's in your brain more than COVID ever will be. In a positive way. Uh, Jim, let's get to... Let's get to the bell here at the stock exchange. Kevin Fitzgibbons, the chief security officer, and at the Nasdaq, it's a progeny. Uh, David Schlander, the uh, CEO of a Fertility Benefits Management Company. Um, Jim, uh, Netflix does sort of uh, lead us to AT and T. Uh, misses by a penny. Uh. Stanky's uh, on the tape right now, saying that uh, Max HBO Max is a high priority, and that their Warner is rethinking their theatrical model until the future of movie theaters uh, becomes more clear. Yeah, they lost a lot of DirecTV subscribers. I mean, yeah, look, I like, I like a good dividend. Uh, if you want a good dividend, buy Verizon. Chapel Trust owns that. Don't reach for dividend. Never reach for dividend. There are a lot of stocks that are 7 8 9%. Those yields are often unsustainable. But there wasn't just – there really, ATC subscriber trends, just bad. They can say, listen, they're not horrible. You know, it's kind of like, listen, guys, we're, we're in last place, but think about this. We're going to draft higher. But there's no draft in, in business. That's the problem. They're just in last yeah. place. Well, but, I mean, they do say this morning, Jim, uh, cash flow is strong enough to maintain the, the dividend, uh, right. r- retire debt, continue to invest in growth. Do you not believe them? Well, I think it's fine. I mean, but I don't like anytime I ever have to hear a company say, don't worry about our dividend, I'm worried about the dividend. Uh, yeah, well, we're, we're going to watch AT&T for sure. Uh, as they pull the guide, Jim, uh, every day right. I make a list of companies that have pulled the guide. Today it's AT&T, it's Kimberly, it's Quest, it's Chipotle, it's Lyft. Uh, and we're just adding to the list of companies that say uh, we're sort of on our own well, uh, regarding earnings models. Let's break this down. I mean, it's been my belief and it's been quoted in a couple of conference calls. Maybe we can get away from this forecasting nonsense because it's so ridiculous. I mean, if you were on the Kimberly, the Kim- Kimberly was uh, the numbers for Kimberly are just extraordinary. Up 11 percent personal care, a t- tissue uh, plus 13. Uh, the costs are going down. I mean, now, is it sustainable? I still can't get toilet paper. My executive producer came in in a huff the other day, Regina Gilgan, and she said, I have found toilet paper at a King Cullen. And everyone looked at her and said, oh, my God, how was what was it like? How did it happen? So, I mean, that, yeah, obviously that can't continue for Kimberly. Right. I mean, one day that's not going to be wonderment. We're not going to say, oh, my God, I found it. So how do they guide? Texas Instruments did have a really good company. Listen, we're using the 2008 playbook. We know what we're doing. Chipotle, unfortunately, had some airborne food illnesses that they they were like ready, like South Korea was ready because of SARS. I mean, I have never seen a company more ready. And I know that Brian Nichols is going to be on later today. Uh, around one o'clock, yep. of which I'm incredibly jealous. Going back and forth on last night, tell him I'll buy him a Dell at Bar San Miguel. Didn't get, didn't get the uh, the PPP money, but I don't give a damn. I'm sick of the government anyway. 
Uh, but it is it does seem to me that uh, they did everything right. And there was some clown. I would have called him a jackass, but I'm Jimmy Chill, who was making fun of me, saying, you don't know anything about Chipotle. It's going to be down big today. Well, it, it may happen. But right now it's up 64. <laughs> yes. Uh, amazing. Comps up 14 in February and then down 16 in March. And uh, Nickel will be on at 140 uh, Eastern <laughs> time. Talk more about you know, March, 102% digital sales. Uh, Trough was minus 35, too, but April was better. The, uh, my prediction is, and I told these guys this, that if you are a, a REIT, one of these pathetic REITs, you're going to pay them to be a tenant because they're going to bring in customers, mm. good, solid customers. And I just... I revere the, and look at this. You've got uh, you have Nickel and Hartung who are Chipotle. You've got this gang of people who are at Netflix. Any one of them should be president of the United States. It's no offense, Mr. President. They, they put on a good show just like you do. Yours runs over time. Theirs starts on time. Uh, but I just am just blown away by some of these. Ex- Ed Bastion, do you listen to that guy? I mean, I came away saying, yep. wow. Hey, you know, we have some CEOs, Carl, who are no joke. We have a lot of government people who I think are kind of on the edge, uh, but none of them could be the CEOs of the companies we've heard from lately. Uh, it's a fascinating point you just made, Jim, about what if, what, what if our conception of what uh, an anchor is in a mall is changing, right? It's Whoa, no longer yes. Lord and Taylor. Maybe it is. Maybe it is a Chipotle word that really does bring in the traffic. The other big interview this morning, Jim, is going to be Evan Spiegel at 11 a.m. Oh, on did. Snap as their loss is 21 cents, but revenue up 44. Uh, DAU's up 11 million to 229. Evan, uh, forgive me for being at various times a total jerk to you. Uh, you completely delivered. But, hey, listen, you had an inferior product when you didn't have that uh, Android. That was a great conference call. And they, I mean, you know, what he's saying there is that people, with, the younger people with a lot of time on their hands, they go to Snap. And they're either going to Snap or they're trading on Robinhood. I mean, these younger people are developing all sorts of new mores. We haven't really caught up with actually what, what they do with their time. Obviously, they do a lot of video games. Um, I think that younger people during this period are going to come out pretty stunted. They, they go to school half the time. They go to school in Zoom. They don't pay any attention uh, or, they, well, the more diligent ones do. But we have I, this is one of the things I was trying to get at with Ed Bastian with the idea of that. Are we going to continue to have uh, the office at home? People's mores are changing so quickly and they're not going to necessarily go back. We like Netflix. Yeah, yeah. It turns out it's a lot cheaper than going to a movie theater. That's why EPR, which is a REIT, is doing so badly. Forty percent of the revenues come from movie theaters. I think movie theaters are dinosaur. They're di- I mean, that's why yeah. I wanted to bring home the uh, drive, bring back the drive, drive-in, because then I can at least stay in my car coming. and go out to the lobby and get a 7-Up. Yeah. The Snap story, though, Jim, does sort of make me wonder about, like, for example, people are now looking at the bifurcation within FANG. Where right. you got Amazon, Netflix killing it, and then Facebook and Google coming under scrutiny because of their exposure to advertising. How does Snap uh, does, does Snap refute that? Well, I think that Snap has. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. They do have this new. They have these new formats that I think are lend themselves better to advertising. I think that Facebook, the problem there, are small to medium sized businesses. But you would think if Facebook were a little better run. Uh, I know they think that they're the best run company, but if they were run like Shopify, 
okay, which directly supports the small and medium-sized businesses in an aggressive way, not the smaller way Facebook does. If these guys were a little more like the brilliant people run Shopify, which is just an amazing stock, what would happen is, is they would end up having a whole new source of revenue, which is new businesses constantly going to them. Facebook is not rewarding. They are not rewarding the small and medium-sized businesses so that they have the virtuous circle that they could use. Uh, and because they don't have it, they're not doing as well. They're just not. It's disappointing. Yeah. They should be better. Uh, we do have a downgrade. Uh, Jim Guggenheim, uh, sort of on this topic, does cut Visa today to neutral. And they're talking about paradigm shifting characteristics when it comes to higher unemployment, small business closures, uh, bankruptcies down the road. And, and that sort of cuts to your small business point. How much risk is in there is, is in there regarding some of these credit card names? Well, I, I think it's been overdone. I know that the love for PayPal is is completely, uh, uh, I think, in many ways overdone. And I think that the dislike of Visa... These are uh, is overdone. These are still long term trends to plastic and to digital. And I think that there are periods, there's pockets where they don't go right. And then people come right back to them. I think fintech is doing quite well. I've got market access on tonight. So, no, I want to go. I want to take the other side of the trade of the visa. That's a very good company. It's it's a mistake to downgrade it. Uh, there was a good upgrade of J&J, which I'm oh, sure you saw that. out of B of A. They go to 175. That was they say that the decision to price the vaccine at not-for-profit is a master stroke when it comes to sort of fighting the overall pharma pricing uh, pressure from the Hill. Alex Gorski uh, is doing everything right. My favorite line in that upgrade, by the way, is uh, don't worry don't worry about the talc and opioid. Do you remember when that was all that mattered and Alex Gorski was on the defensive every day and there the, were the various reporters taking shots at them? Well, you don't hear about that anymore. J&J is a pristine, revered AAA company that I've always – there was some discovery against uh, Gorski where there was a note that was found by me where I called it a great company. And I think the media wanted to crush me because I called it great. Well, that's not fake news. See, it's great. And one of the reasons why it's great is they're doing what they're doing with the vaccine. And let's not forget what they're doing with their anti-suicide drug. They're trying to get veterans from killing themselves. Untold story. Alex Gorski, a a ranger, a a very distinguished graduate of of the United States Military Academy. I think that company is a company that is worth revering and they're doing a lot of things right. And if anyone's going to get the vaccine, it's going to be J&J. When I speak with their scientists and with their affiliates, which I've done a lot of work on, I am heartened that we will see something at the beginning of, 20, of 2021. Most people are very skeptical of that, just like they were skeptical about a vaccine for polio. And it happened. Interesting. Uh, you know, Pfizer is one of the uh, sponsors of this German trial, as you right. know. Oxford's working on their other thing, but you still think J&J has the pole position. You know, it's funny. I got a friend who's betting on Pfizer. We were talking about it all the time. He says, listen, I'll take it. I'll, let me just, I'll, I'll take Pfizer. Uh, so, and he's a very savvy person, so I have to believe that Pfizer has something going. But that's why I doubled down on my research with J&J. And it's funny, when you deal with the scientists... Now, see, they have the legitimate right, unlike a lot of my Jimmy Chill friends on Twitter, to call me a moron. They're like, at one point, the guy called me. I was speaking to him on Friday. He goes, you really don't understand anything I'm saying, do you? And I said, look, I, the reason I got that 4.0 is I dropped that class. That chem class could have crushed my GPA. So we had to yes. spend like a half. And we spent about a half hour on that. He said, I got five more minutes with you. And I said, you know what? Go, go save some lives. I, I'll figure it out. 
<laughs> I like that. I, said, yeah, I think guy. I did the same I, thing. I, said, I went to Harvard. He goes, not the Harvard I went to. I said, well, I, what I go to the University of Southern New Hampshire, Harvard? I don't know. I, the University of Phoenix Online, Harvard? I went to one up in Cambridge, but <laughs> we're very different places. <laughs> Uh, Jim, we got a few more names to get to, but we are trying to close in on 2800 again. Let's get to Bob Pisani this morning. Hey, Bob. Good morning, guys. Uh, happy Wednesday. Uh, nice bounce back today. If you can identify the reason, you're, you're doing better than I can because there's not a lot of specific news out there. But all the stuff that's had a rough part uh, start to the week, Monday and Tuesday, bouncing back today. Let's just take a look here. Energy stocks, uh, Exxon and Chevron are the biggest percentage gainers uh, on the Dow Jones Industrial Average this morning here. Uh, bank shares are also bouncing back nicely. Materials, these are all uh, sectors that are under pressure when the coronavirus news is bad and better when it's better. But not a lot of change in the news situation right now. Consumer staples are underperforming overall this morning. Of course, oil has been a huge focus. Just want to mention the the USO, that uh, oil ETF that's been a fo- focus of a lot of attention recently. They just announced this morning, by the way, they're, reversed, they're engineering an eight to one reverse stock split that will be effective on April 28th. So it'll be eight times uh, what the value is right now. Uh, the key is, we told you yesterday, the fund is no longer going to be investing in the front month futures contracts. The immediate front month, it'll be a mishmash of different futures contracts going out for several months in any combination that they really want to. And I think the important thing is right now they can't create new shares. They have waiting for approval for the SEC. So this this uh, this ETF is trading at a significant premium to its net asset value right now. So it's kind of hard to value exactly what's going on here until we get more shares created. Overall, of course, we watch every day the number of companies withdrawing guidance. There's been a whole slew of them. Uh, you heard from the guys earlier, but Lyft, Chipotle, Kimberly Clark, Navian, Amphenol, AT&T. Netflix provided guidance and then basically said it was guesswork. That was kind of amusing. I never heard that from a major company before. But you get an idea of just how difficult it is figuring out what stocks should be. Why are we opening so big today? Why are we down so big yesterday? You can't value earnings, a future stream of earnings, if you can't give any uh, estimate of what the numbers are actually going to be. And this is why the VIX has been elevated. You notice the VIX had been coming down and it's kind of stuck now around 42, 43, 44. Uh, That's a a problem there because we're sitting there very, very highly elevated. It's better than 85 where it was a few weeks ago, but still that's elevated. It doesn't show any sign of going down at this point. Uh, All this volatility is really helping the exchanges out though. You see NASDAQ reported earnings, great numbers, historic trading volumes. They had Message traffic twice normal, uh, uh, options uh, market twice normal, messaging traffic three times normal. These numbers were huge. NASDAQ, look at that. It's almost recovered all of its losses. The exchanges are one beneficiary of this. Um, there are companies out that are trying to deal with uh, their problems by doing secondaries. Uh, you can see some of the pressure on this here. United announced one last night, 5% discount. Darden's done one at a 5% discount. Carnival at a 38% discount. The market is telling you that uh, this is sort of the last option available for companies, which is why I think you haven't seen a lot of companies doing that, because exactly what you're seeing uh, right here. We do have some IPO news, actually not IPOs, SPAC news today. We've got a SPAC coming out today. This is uh, Jamal uh, Palahipatias, uh, Social Capital Hito Sophia. This is the third one here, 72 million units. They're called units at $10. So it raised $720 million. That's quite impressive. By the way, this is going to go public on the New York Stock Exchange today. Pete Giacci over at Citadel is going to be alone on the floor doing that. Shout out to Pete there. Hope he's all right. Uh, The NYC, by the way, did get approval from the SEC to do electronic openings for IPOs and secondaries through May uh, 15th. That's curious. And it tells me that uh, there's companies out there that want to IPO. 
And that's interesting. Maybe Albertsons. So uh, they've got the ability to do that through May 15th. When is the NYC going to reopen? We don't know. They haven't told us. There's no date set up. Uh, obviously, I'm talking to them. But there's several criteria that are obviously needed here. More medical screening. We've got to be able to make sure people are not uh, virus infected on the floor. Uh, they're going to probably have a low density footprint when they open. And maybe we'll have masks and other changes in the workflow. So we don't have an opening date. But obviously, the ability to assure people, guys, that uh, people are safe on the floor is the most important thing. Back to you. All right. Uh, Bob, thanks very much for that. Jim, I did want to get your take on the uh, the secondary list that Bob assembled. And, and there's some others, too. Expedia in this journal report uh, dealing with Apollo and Silver Lake. We have a story on Macy's uh, sniffing out $5 billion in new debt using some real estate as collateral. Not Herald Squared, but some real estate and inventory. But it does seem like the brokers, the underwriters are pricing these deals so that you make a little money. Look at Carnival. You really crushed it in Carnival. Uh, the Darden deal was really excellent. And the numbers raised the next day. So I, I think that uh, the UOL deal, the United deal is going to be excellent, too. I, I appreciate the fact that the right now the underwriters at least are trying to make you some money and they're doing it. Uh, and uh, you got to be in these if you want to make some short term money. They're very good. You mentioned Texan earlier this morning, uh, but go into that a little bit more, because the range on the quarter now, 64 cents to a dollar four. Uh, you, you could drive a truck through that. Well, the reason I liked it is because, as uh, they say at the end, history has shown us that it's times like this when we can make the most strategic process in progress. This is really a conference call about how to take advantage of the fact that nobody really else has the balance sheet they do and has the product they do. And you feel the same way, by the way, about Advanced Micro, AMD. These two have been trading together. They shouldn't because Texas has a lot, Texas Instruments has a lot more auto. But it's a very good clinic about how to handle a downturn. Uh, because Texas Instruments has been around for a long time and the stock's a buy. I think it's terrific. Yeah. You know, Jim, we didn't even get to some of the European names. Roche, ST Micro. Uh, I mean, I know uh, estimates are all over the place, but you can make an argument that at least this week, maybe just today, uh, the results are a lot better than feared. I think we're going to be surprised. There are a lot of companies that are built for this moment and a lot of CEOs who really came out of 2008, like Texas Instruments team, and said, you know what, we're never going to let this happen again. We're never going to get our balance sheet as bad. Uh, We're never going to buy back so much stock that we screwed up. And I think it's really a joy to listen to some of these CEOs who know what they're doing. Business is often castigated in this country. I think during this period, Mark Benioff is right from Salesforce. Business is the greatest platform of social change, and it's really distinguished itself as how to handle things right during a very difficult period for the American people. Yeah, that's a good point, Jim. Let's get to Rick Santelli this morning, uh, get a check in on the fixed income. Morning, Rick. Good morning, Carl. You know, I heard uh, Bob talking about he couldn't really figure out reasons why today is an up day in stocks and yesterday was a down day. Well, up day in stocks, up day in yields. But what I'm hearing is whether, you know, how much credence you put in some of this. But there's always reasons. One of the reasons is uh, some of these random antibody tests seem to be uh, showing some promise. That's a good thing. And let's face it, various states talking about reopening, at least phasing in at least a planned reopen. This is good for the psyche. Now, I understand all these things are a long way off from getting our arms completely around the coronavirus, but they are positives nonetheless. Look at a two-day chart of 10-year note yields. You know, yesterday we were toying with 54 basis points. We didn't get that low today, but 54 is important. Open the chart up. Of course, that's our all-time low yield close, and we have bounced a bit. 
Finally, we're steepening the curve again. Uh, it's curve steepened by about three basis points, which is the amount of basis points. Ten years are up. Two years are virtually unchanged. But maybe the big story is what's going on in Europe today. Uh, today, uh, EU policymakers are going to be getting together. Uh, do keep in mind that the ECB uh, and Germany and Christine Lagarde have not decided whether they're going to be able to actually issue euro bonds or corona bonds. Uh, but... They still need to do quantitative easing, and there's always that hope that something is going to get done. Why am I saying all this? The meeting today is going to discuss whether they lower the bar on collateral. Will they accept junk as collateral? Because the ECB, of course, has to buy all these bonds from, you know, Spanish Central Bank, Italian Central Bank, and that's the heart of the story today. Let's look at 10-year Spanish yields and look at it year to date. They're almost at levels we haven't seen since February, so 14 months, as you see around 116 there. And let's look at Italian 30 years, they're basically in the 3% neighborhood. They haven't been at that level in, well, about uh, 20-something months. This is a long time. And here's the real key. 30-year bonds and 5-year notes were issued today by the Italians. $16 billion in total with $110 billion in bids. That's almost seven times oversubscribed to. And as you see on that 30-year chart how they've zoomed, well, their two-year is zoomed as well. The point of the matter is you're getting premium juicy yields for credit. They're unsure of. They may lower the bar so they can accept some of this paper. Why? And why'd they have the auction today? Because in a couple of days, the S&P is going to put their uh, rating under review, and they may lose their triple B rating, which is two grades above junk. All of this is figuring in, and actually, in the grand scheme of things, it makes our paper look so much better, which is one of the reasons our yields are staying so low, especially on long maturities. Carl and Jim, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you. We'll talk to you in a while, uh, Rick Santelli. Uh, so, Brett, that's pretty good to start this Wednesday morning. Uh, best day for emerging markets, ETF, since April 6th. You got June, WTI, back above 15, and CSX and Las Vegas Sands on deck after the bell tonight. We're back in a moment. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. 
Finally got a bounce for the first time this week. Breadth uh, very good as we uh, see some earnings that are better than expected, some progress in the Senate, some very large companies raising capital, and minimal macro data today. We're back in a minute. Let's get stopped trading with Jim. There are real markets and there are not. The USO is not the market. The real market is Halliburton. They reported a quarter that was okay, not bad. The stock is actually up. That's what you should be looking at. Real oil companies and oil service companies, not the USO and not the futures, because they're being manipulated by people who don't know what they're doing uh, and by people who do. And just don't pay attention and stop being freaked out by USO or by the futures. Uh, so when we, when we try to gauge oil's behavior then, Jim, uh, what are you watching? And do we really think today's move is all about the president's tweet? No, the, the, the market got oversold. I, I watch Apache because it's one of the worst. I watch Oxy because it's the worst. I watch Halliburton. And I watch Chevron. And those companies are just kind of going along as if oil never went to minus 37, which was obviously uh, some of the fix was in. And we, we should not remember the futures don't always work right. And we always try to ascribe some sort of rationality, something like the USO. It's a broken security that wasn't set up correctly by people who wanted to get something. They traded a billion shares yesterday. People want to make money. And so you create a facility that screws, that, that makes people uh, lose a lot of money. And, and no, look, there's no, like, share God. There's no one, like, you know, there's no, there's no bad trade jail. I mean, what happens is, is people create things and they lose money, and so what? I hate it. Yeah. You hate well, today, it. Uh, today, the, the CMA, the CME is going to allow a uh, listing of negative oil options effective uh, I think that's tomorrow. I think the CME has every today, right to make a fortune, even if it doesn't hurt, help anybody other than CME shareholders, because it's America. Do I would I like it? Yeah. If I were the head of the SEC, I'd say no. But I'm not the head of the SEC. I'm just a person who observes and wishes people wouldn't trade this stuff. And then Reuters, Jim, has this amazing story about all the different places they're looking to store salt caverns in Sweden that are booked up. Uh, three dozen tankers off the coast of California uh, just waiting to put this, this stuff somewhere. Uh, you know, my wife uh, bought a beach house and the pool is empty. Shoot, maybe we can get some money back from it. We bought at the top, make some money back. Remember, I told her I wanted to get married on that Nordic American tanker. Well, I've got Herb Jordan Hansen on later this week. He's the CEO. And I've got to tell you, man, that tanker would cost me a fortune now. It would actually be better, cheaper to get it on a Carnival cruise. Jim, what's tonight? Probably safer on the. Never mind. Um, tonight is Market Access, which is a uh, fintech company that just makes so much money. Uh, and then we have uh, Digital Realty, which is a, a, a REIT that makes so much money. And then I've got Scott Sperling. Once again, I'm sorry to T.H. Lee. They sold Fogo to Chad or another alpha. But he has got more. He's on a uh, hospital board in Boston. And he's also obviously knows private industry. And I think you no know, one can explain better what just happened in the Senate. Uh, and in uh, the Congress than he can. And when you're throwing around trillions of dollars, sometimes I think it's worth scrutiny. My own opinion. Yeah. What a wacky uh, time, you have, Carl. Um, uh, it is a little strange. Uh, tomorrow we'll watch for some action in the House where Pelosi says approval right. is likely. But, uh, well, but before that, we'll see you tonight. Jim. How about unorthodox? They all wanted to. Is that any good? They all want I got to get to it. it. <laughs> I'm, I'm way behind you. I'm always behind you. Well, I just, look, all I do is listen to the Netflix calls and then decide what to do for my life. That study and listen to Netflix calls. Those guys are great. Yep, yep. In my next life, I'm going to work with them. Jamal- <laughs> well, uh, you got uh, there's no vacation policy. That's one of the benefits.
You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.